Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ LaFura. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam, and we are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, was that the biggest waste of three and a half hours in your life or what? You know, up until the sixth inning, I was having a fun time watching the game. Past that, uh, you know... We're certainly going to get into it, but uh, very hyped up game. I can't say that I'm not surprised by the final score. Like if you're just looking at the box score, I'm not surprised. But other than that, I mean, we have a lot to talk about with this game because there is so much that it just is wrong with this game in general. Uh, and with this postseason to, to begin with, uh, you know, let's just get right into it, LJ. I mean, look, we'll spoil it right at the top. I mean, if you're listening to this, you clearly know the Dodgers won two to one against the Giants in game five of the NLDS. Um, yeah, I mean, is this like, I guess I'm going to start with this. The umpiring this postseason is just atrocious. Is that the right adjective to work? To, to right, maybe to not use? atrocious, because I think there have been some bright spots along the way. For example, we we did go into de- in depth for a minute or two earlier this week on one of the Red Sox games. I can't remember which one. Is one of the Red Sox Rays games we thought was handled really well so I cannot say for sure that it has all been bad like I'm not I'm not going to say it's all been bad but yes there has been some atrocious plays and uh, atrocious um umpiring throughout this postseason that shouldn't be able to make it to this level and what I don't understand and look prior to, to us uh, getting into the game I just feel like this is that we need to talk about this the the MLB 100% has the data to see what umps have been good behind the plate for the entire season. Yet they choose some of the worst umpires to be behind the plate 
for the postseason? Like, what are they looking at? Like, what the MLB has never formally announced specifically why they pick certain umpires to ump postseason games. And I've never really understood that. Like, I would love to hear an explanation as to why these specific umps were picked. Uh, because every tweet on my timeline, which is a lot of baseball stuff, all has to do with this game. And specifically over the last couple of days, the umpiring in the last few games, I mean, one call specifically is that dropped pop-up in the Braves Brewers series where the ball literally hit the ground. Every replay shows the ball bounced, yet somehow it's not a reviewable play. I, I, I don't understand it. It's kind of perplexing to me as to how the MLB handles picking the umpires for each game. Like I'm almost like at a loss for words here. Like what goes into this process, LJ? Look, I've said it a million times. There is very little logic to most of these rulings, and the, the least you could do was make some logic to replay review. I don't understand the reason that anything isn't replay reviewable. If an umpire wants to go back, honestly, especially the judgment call stuff too, because like if an umpire wants to go back and look at it, like if you ask an umpire, go back and look at it, it's not a guarantee he's going to say, yes, it was, or no, it wasn't or change his call. I'm saying, but the fact that some things just flat out are an option, like they can't go back and review makes no sense. We should probably stop working our way around what happened in this ninth inning. Do we just want to cut to that real quick or do we want to, go through the game first. I mean, like I can give the quick game the recap. I can give the very brief game recap, and then we can certainly jump into it. Uh, the Dodgers and Giants both exchanged runs in the sixth inning thanks to a Corey Siegel, Seager double, Darren Ruff homer. Top of the ninth, Cody Bellinger with a very clutch hit to make the Dodgers uh, take the lead at 2-1. to one. The game ends on a Wilmer Flores check swing, which – was very questionable to begin with. The Giants or the Dodgers bring in uh, Max Scherzer to close out the ninth inning. Uh, you know, it ends on a check swing call for a team that won 107 games. This is how they end their season. And look, whether it's the right call or not, you know, how is not at least in the playoffs to me, how is every play not reviewable? I just don't get it. Because if you're so concerned about pace of play, you clearly haven't been watching the playoffs where the pace of play has been extremely slow to begin with, as is most MLB playoff games. What is different with this game or in general, where you can't make everything a reviewable play. Because like I said, you have that play in the Brewers-Braves series, which, look, the Braves end up winning. But that could have extremely screwed over the Braves on a ball that they should not have been out on. Here, there's a check swing that 
is somehow you they can't go to replay and review this whole judgment call BS, which somehow giving the umps 100% power in this situation when we know the umps are not perfect is just crazy, crazy to me. LJ, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I just, I, I don't get it. Look, I'm not even going to bring in the replay angle because that gets, in my opinion, way too complicated to take up here. Let's just go with what is within factors right now. For starters, I should say, I would have had a very different outlook coming into this recording had this not have happened. This genuinely ruined the game for me. And I've ne- I, very few calls can ever really do that, especially for a team that I'm not necessarily attached to in any way, shape, or form, either of them. But this ruined a really good game to me. I was very entertained by the rest of this game. Overall, it was a great pitching performance by both sides. So, for starters, I'm going to come out and flat and say it. He did not go. You, it, it may, it may be, you, may, you may want to call it questionable or not. That was a bad call. But the other thing is, who cares what the correct call is in these high-level situations? Yes, Joe West made a ton of terrible calls. But you said it the other night, Brandon. He's willing. He does what's important for the entertainment of the game, as much as anything. He had and the best called game of the whole playoff so far. <laughs> Literally the best called game of the entire postseason. And, but like the idea of the entertainment value, I can respect it because you know what? This game, if it doesn't keep growing, it's going to die. And I don't think anyone listening to this show wants to see the popularity of baseball die out and a big thing that's going to drive fans in is great postseason baseball and this was great postseason baseball but brandon how to explain to me how in the world can you be excited about this game especially if you're not a fan of the dodgers and if that is the way it ends if it ends on a judgment appeal by the umpires a check swing appeal is how this game ended that is the single least the most anticlimactic thing that they ever could have ended the game on. And for me, it's an outright shame that it would end that way. It hurts the growth of the game. So if you're the umpires, why would you ever let yourself be so overly involved in forcing a team out, especially a team that had won 109 games this year? 109 games, including the postseason. Both of these teams had 109 wins coming into the season. Uh, It's, look, I don't understand it, but also at the same time, like, unfortunately, some games do end like this where it is a call that comes down to a check swing, and that's just the nature of baseball. And I think yeah, we need to understand that. It was, well, like, it was, if it he was did go, let's say he did end up, like, fully swing. Because I haven't seen a replay from the top angle where you can actually see it. I haven't seen one yet. Let's say he does go. Like, are people as mad as they are right now? Because at the same time, this stuff does happen a lot 
in baseball. And I'm not defending the umpires one bit, but I can't say that ending a game like this is the wrong thing to do. Look, was it the wrong call? Absolutely. Was this the ump that screwed over the Yankees when I, when me and LJ went to the Yankees Red Sox game and he called a strike five and a half inches off the plate on Rubinet Odor? Yes. Gabe Morales, this dude should not have a job as an MLB umpire. But games end like this all the time. And I don't know, like I'm fine with a game ending like this if it's the correct call. But it just seems crazy, crazy to me that we have some of genuinely the worst umpires that were behind the plate and in general this year as the umps for the game five of the NLDS. Well, you're not going to change out. Once once you commit yourself to a group, you've got to kind of stick with them. But I guess what I'm trying to say here is as a judgment call, I think you need to be very loose and considerate with what judgment is. For starters, a uh, wise man once said, if you're not fully focused and you're not 100% certain on a call, it is usually the better thing to not go with the strike call. And there's no way he could have been 100% certain that he went with that swing. And in, in my head, anywhere between like 60 and 40% swing – is probably a situation where you're never going to fault uh, fault an umpire for getting that wrong. Like that's a very that's a very very tough area to be able to get. So if that's the case, why would you allow the end? Why would you end the game on a tough call for you? That certainly was not an easy call in favor of him going. I don't think anyone who's ever seen the video from any angle would say that that was an easy call to say that yes, he definitively went. No, it's if sands or busts. And if that's not the way, I don't think it's necessarily the right way to go to let the game end. I think if you talk to a lot of umpires, they would probably say similar. It's a great point. And look, I mean, when you're at this point in the season where both teams are down to like their final inning potentially of the year, you can't make it about yourself. And that's what Joe West did a lot in his career was he tried to make the game about himself. Did Gabe Morales try to make this game about himself? Maybe. I mean, maybe. But at the same time, yeah, it's a bad call. And uh, it's going to be talked about for a while. But Teams endure really bad calls all the time. Regardless of that, can we talk about the home plate umpire in this game, LJ? Because the ump scorecard came out, and it is, I believe someone sent it into our fantasy group chat. Uh, That was was Braves Brewers. Okay, well, once this ump scorecard comes out, I am very interested to see this because – I just, if there was ever an argument for robo-umps, this postseason has absolutely, you know, proved that argument. The fact that teams are gaining multiple runs off of just the home plate umpire's calls 
is genuinely crazy to me. And I know you can't be perfect and it is an insanely hard job, but there is umps that are genuinely very, very good at their job that are not even assigned to a postseason crew. It is crazy, but it's more so crazy to me how inconsistent it is. Let's not go as far as bad, but how can you be so inconsistent with the quality of the game you call? I mean, maybe it's just a matter of leverage situation, but let's look at um, runs added for a bunch of these games. I'm just got to pick a couple of random games here that prove my point. You've got um, – oh, actually, no, this is the one I want here. Point four runs in favor of Milwaukee in a 3 nothing Braves win. And then all of a sudden it jacks up to one point something in the next one. In a one-run game, in a one-run game, and the other team is favored by a run. And, like, <laughs> there, there, there are multiple times in this playoffs, like, you go through those scorecard numbers where you'll see a, a favor that's in the point zero somethings, and then all of a sudden you'll have one over one from the same umpiring crew. How can you have that great a difference in quality umpires on postseason games? It's, it's yeah, my exact point. I just don't understand how – I've never understood how the postseason umps are chosen. Uh, you know, it all comes down to, to the league office and how they choose their umps. Uh, but – even going beyond like home plate umpires, we've had terrible umping in this postseason. The Yasmani Grandal play where he literally running up the grass, sticks his shoulder out and gets hit by the throw that's going home to potentially get an out. And somehow that's a legal play. Uh, it's crazy to me that the quality of umps somehow gets worse during the postseason. It's really bad. But at the same time, there was a game. There was. Round these umps, which, I mean, yes, they certainly played a role. They played, honestly, I think the umps played more of a role early in this game than they did late in terms of high leverage situations or any leverage situations in the first couple innings. But I think the only other controversy in this game, Brandon, the Dodgers come out earlier today and announced that they will not be going with Julio Urias as the starter. Instead, they decide to go with opener Corey Kniebel for game five of the NLC or NLDS. Brandon, this was probably, in my opinion, the one of, if not the riskiest move of, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Anyway, this is one of the, wor- the riskiest things I'm, I, I, I've seen all year, Brandon. Because you're basically guaranteeing yourself extra pitchers in this. And we all know how a single pitcher, whether he has it or doesn't have it, especially now with the three batter minimum, can totally change the face of a game. And in the postseason so many times, because of where you catch momentum, the early innings can be, mean way more in the late innings in postseason games sometimes in terms of who's going to have the, a dominant performance. So I look at a situation here where I see Julio Urias and I say, okay, there is a hypothetical scenario where he is absolutely dealing 
and they can get seven, maybe eight, maybe even a complete game out of them, there will be like a miracle performance, but maybe seven or eight out of them. And all of a sudden you're looking at possibly using two to three pitchers in a game. By going with the opener, you are adding, they went Knievel and then Gratterall for the second opener inning. So you are adding definitively, you're going to have three pitchers no matter what. And that's regardless of if you use any guys in the late innings. So the odds of a pitcher not having his best stuff and blowing the game is significantly higher when you use an opener in the in the postseason than it is when you use a starter. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This was, you know, I get out of my midterm today, which I took at 8 a.m., Go back to sleep in my room, wake up for my next class, which LJ, by the way, we're only at one missed class so far, which was to go attend another office hours. So impressive. Regardless of that, um, it's a strange move. It seems like something that Tampa would do, not the Dodgers. I mean, not a team that has won 106 games, not to mention this guy won 20 games this year in Julio Urias, the first player to do it since 2016. But I want to quote this tweet that Bob Nightingale said at 525. It says, San Francisco Giants manager Gabe Kapor said he received a courtesy text earlier from Dodgers manager Dave Roberts saying that they were going with an opener and they weren't surprised by the move with Knable starting instead of Urias. Look, I understand why the opener might make sense because you don't, because the Dodgers are not trying to have the Giants stack their lineup, at least at the top, the guys who are going to get the most plate appearances with right-handed hitters. And we see them bat Tommy Lestella first, who's a lefty, Darren Ruff, second, who's a righty. Posey, who's a righty. But still, who's saying the Giants weren't going to go with three righties to start the game? I understand the move, and it works out for the Dodgers. But in terms of the risk versus reward, just seems like, (laughs) why would you do this in a game five, LJ? There, there's really no point to playing with it, especially when we talked about this before when we mentioned that last inning. Max Scherzer pitches in this game. So if you were looking if you were looking at um, Julio Urias and didn't think you could get a full starts work out of him, I mean, he only does go four innings in this one, which for opener follower stuff convention, that's fine. But I have a feeling that they might have wanted to get more than 60 pitches out of him before he started to look a little shoddy. They could have just had Urias go the first four, put Scherzer in for two. He's looked, he looked fine during that inning, or more than fine, actually. He could have definitely gotten two innings of relief in and then turned it over to this bullpen. Then brought in, because keep in mind, 
Bruce Ragratterall and Corey Kniebel are very, very, very talented pitchers. You could have had Kniebel, Trine, and Jansen as the last three innings here. How about just like instead of bringing in Scherzer for the for the next two, just bringing Gratterall and Corey Knable for the fifth and sixth, like they have been pitching for the whole season. You know, anyone ever give that a thought? I mean, just start the guy who has been nasty the whole year. And look, a Gratterall has pitched absolutely incredible this postseason. LJ, I don't know if you saw that pitch the other night. 103 miles an hour with seven or with 19 inches of arm side break. <laughs> it, it's it's crazy what he's been doing. You know, it works out for the Dodgers, though, and we'll get into the game recap right now. As the first five innings of this game are scoreless, thanks to Gratterall, Corey Knavel, and then Urias, along with Logan Webb, who low key could get the player of the game here, even oh, though his team lost, like he might've been the best player in this whole game. I don't think that's a question because he looked so in command the entire game. It was, it was really, he, he was something to watch. And for some reason, he, it's not like he had the most amazing numbers all year, but I kind of came to expect it. You saw him step up so big to start that for this series off strong with such a dominant performance. It didn't feel like there was anything that the uh, Dodgers were showing at the end of his time out there other than Logan Webb fatigue. That was the only success they were getting off him when he first went out there for game one. What made anyone think that it was going to go any different this time? He came out there and was almost the exact same type of guy he was in the last one, and it works because he's good. And he pitched really good in a good game like a good pitcher does. I'm trying to figure out how many times this can say good at this point. LJ, Logan Webb finishes this postseason. Two games against the Dodgers, 14 and two-thirds innings, one earned run, 17 strikeouts. This dude is a high-end playoff starter. And it's, to me at this point, this dude's awesome. I mean, being able to watch him is truly amazing. Uh, And I believe I lost LJ here. Um, We'll try to get him back as soon as possible. But what Logan Webb did this postseason, 14 and two-thirds innings against the Dodgers is not an easy task. I mean, when you see what they, what the, what this uh, Dodgers team did this year, especially their lineup, it's actually crazy when you consider he only allowed one earned run this postseason, 17 strikeouts. Oh, we got LJ back now. Um, he's back. I'm back. Yeah, my Zoom just like crashed out of nowhere. Oh, I'm, I was just talking about a Logan Webb. 17 strikeouts against this Dodgers lineup that is genuinely on paper, and we've said this a lot, the best team in the league. 
there there isn't enough you can say about him um i do have i had i did not remember to bring them with me a couple in season stats that looked really great in favor of logan webb there is however one that i partially remember right now i do want to ask you completely off topic brandon a little bit of trivia okay six players this year recorded a knuck, a full-on knuckleball a traditional knuckleball how many of those players were pitchers Ooh, three, two. One. I know that Brett Brett Phillips maybe threw one. Um, Brandon, there was one position position normal pitcher that threw a knuckleball this year. The rest of the recorded knuck all all five other recorded knuckleballers this year were all either position players who were screwing around or position players who were so bad at pitching that it looked like a knuckleball to the tracking machines. Their, their spin rate was so bad that it just registered as a, as a uh, knuckleball is what you're saying. Well, we had, uh, what's this face? It was Yerman Mercedes. Was the one <laughs> That's on right. I forgot. He, was, he, he was throwing all change-ups because that's all, that's all the machine would register was change-ups for how he, how he was throwing the ball. It, you know, that's crazy to me. So Logan yeah, Webb genuinely threw a knuckleball. No, no, not, not Logan Webb. It was, I said it was unrelated. Oh, unrelated. Still. Yeah. Uh, what he did to this Dodgers lineup, other than a Mookie Betts, who proved that he's one of the best players in the league tonight. I don't think we, have, we really need to talk much about him. I mean, four for four from the leadoff spot is – more than enough for me uh it's a horrendous loss for the giants you can uh blame the loss on the umpires as much as you want and i'm not gonna blame you uh but it sucks that look they tie the game in the sixth inning uh cory seager doubles in the top of the sixth to make it one nothing dodgers Darren Ruff, then homers in the bottom of the sixth, ties it up. Urias gets out of the inning. We're scoreless till the ninth, where both of bullpens pitched absolutely amazing. Trevor Rogers and even Camilo Doval, who comes in in the top of the ninth. Cody Bellinger allows us, or Cody Bellinger hits a single, uh, which scores Justin Turner, makes it two to one which was your final score. Uh, I don't want to hear any Camilo Doval slander ever because what this dude did in this postseason, look, he had a bad, you could say he had a bad outing tonight, but the two hits he allowed were really not that bad in a vacuum compared to what normal hits look like. I genuinely think this dude is still an amazing high leverage pitcher and will be for quite a few years. All right. I'm not trying to pump the brakes on everything you say, but I'm going to pump the brakes one more time here. First off, this was not a bad outing. I can't blame him, especially for the amount of high leverage usage he's gotten at his age. Like 
even the best closers that have been doing it for years are going to have at least one one mediocre postseason outing. It just so happened that Duvall ended up getting burned for it this time. However, let's give him a little bit more time before we start putting expectations on him. Keep in mind here, Brandon, he didn't get he didn't stay up full time with this team until September. He didn't get the closer job until September. As far as I'm concerned, as talented as he may be, he is still kind of flying by the seat of his pants. And ignorance is very often bliss, especially with high pressure situations like being a closer in major league baseball. So I need to see before I'm willing to put any expectations on what he's going to be. I need to see at least half a year is that too much maybe or at least through may of next year of him being the closer before i'm willing to look at the expectations for somebody just because he, he hasn't he hasn't gotten a good chance to actually settle into the role see here's my thing with like postseason relievers in general if the team feels confident enough for you to come in in the eighth and ninth inning in a postseason game, I could care less what you did in the regular season. The team oh, yeah. feel like clearly, like, because the postseason, obviously, the leverage is just so much higher. Like, I said the same thing about Corey Kluber. I genuinely remember saying this part of the season. Like, I could care less what he does in the regular season. Whatever he does in the playoffs is all that matters. Camilo Doval, he was solid in the regular season, but in the in this playoffs, gives the Giants a huge win the other night where he goes two innings. If they trust this guy in playoff games, I will tout him very highly. Well, um, other than that, was there anything else of significance from this game? I mean, I just can't believe that it's Cody Bellinger. Who gets- yeah, that's the other thing, too. Of all the like, of all the guys for you not to expect to step up, period, at this point, like he's not proven he's going to do it. But to step up in that situation has to make people feel good. Dodgers you- fans especially. Yes. What do you feel about the whole Hotel California conspiracy? Explain. Basically, everyone is complaining and convinced that since he changed his walk-up song from Hotel California, which he's had for like at least a year, if not a couple years, ever since he switched it out of that, he has not been the same man. It's a curse. I mean, for a never leave. For a guy who people suspect uh, may be smoking a little marijuana here and there, uh, and maybe that's why his reaction time is a little slow. I don't know. There's some funny clips online of Cody Bellinger just completely not in touch with reality at points. Regardless of that, you know, baseball is a superstitious sport. Superstitious sport. LJ. It's certainly not a little stitious. No, it's superstitious. Uh, it could happen for sure. Now, I actually, this is a better question now. 
what what would be a better walk-up song for him? A little Bob Marley? I would like a little, you know, Bob Marley's not bad. Uh, <laughs> kind of put me on the spot here. Why not just switch it back Cold to 45. California? I mean, that kind of fits his vibe, doesn't it? It does. What about Colt 45? Colt 45 and two zigzags. Maybe. Uh, I just, you know, regardless of that, uh, actually a pitching ninja just posted a tweet. It's a, it's a video of Logan Webb. 93 mile an hour front door sinker with 19 inches of arm side run. This pitch is absolutely filthy to Gavin Lux. Um, this was a nightmare season for Cody Bellinger. Probably the biggest hit of the Dodgers season he gets, though. And the Dodgers, prior to the game, announced that Max Scherzer is available out of the bullpen. They're not sure if they're going to use him. All of a sudden, it's the ninth inning, or it's like the eighth inning, and we see Kenley Jansen warming up, and I'm like, I say to my friends, I'm like, is Jansen really going to go for two? And they're like, no, like he can't. I'm like, well, who are they going to bring in? And then we see Max Scherzer start to warm up in the bullpen. And I'm like, I am getting such Chris Sale World Series vibes right here, where this guy is going to come in and you genuinely, no matter whether he's coming in as a reliever or not, you just don't have a chance against this against this guy. I will still contend if Wilmer Flores, if they call that not a swing and he some and he walks later in that at bat, Scherzer is still getting out of that inning and the Dodgers win. He was so locked in. Yes, because oh sorry, but you go to the first pit, the first at bat ends. Yes, it was a hard hit ball, but that was never going out. That was never making it out. That was the angle was way too high. And first off, that's another thing I want to mention. I'm not sure if you've noticed, Brandon, but Max Scherzer's um, ground ball percentage is ridiculously low. Like, I'm, a, I'm genuinely surprised how a guy like him, especially like, I mean, his his life on his stuff certainly isn't dropping off. But with the way he's pitching right now, I wouldn't be shocked that when he does eventually get over the hump and start to show more signs of age than he is, he's going to go down in a fury, go down in flames. Um, but that's beside just like the every point. pitcher eventually. No, no, that's that's beside the point. I just happened to notice today he's got a thirty-three and a half percent ground ball percentage, um, third tied for third in the third to last in the league. Um, but no, so the first one not going out. Second at bat is an error. Justin right? Turner, I cannot believe he booted that ball. That was the oh my gosh, that was like, and you know, I'm I'm usually, I have become maybe it's, maybe it's I have a soft spot for guys for the Prince of Piss Missiles, but I have become very very lenient with guys when it comes to plays where they make an error because they're trying to do too much, or. Like they're either they're either like really just huck the ball or they're at a, at a weird angle and they try to make a play that they shouldn't be. 
But there's a difference between that and a flat-out focus one. Brandon, it fully entered his glove and then just rolled back out. You cannot was, have that in the ninth inning of a playoff elimination game. He was too excited, LJ. I mean, I don't know what else you can say. He was just – he was – thinking about throwing the ball the first prior to actually securing it in his glove, uh, which it, it happens you sometimes. You don't see that from him though. It's, which is what's so no, funny. no, I actually, I want to look up right now how many errors he had this year. Not that that's a great indicator, but I just want to see Justin Turner this year. Where is it here? Standard pit or standard fielding. He had, where is it? Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. 12 errors this year? I mean, it's not. It's not very high. A 961 fielding percentage is pretty good. No, no, it is. But I'm looking through. I'm looking through his um, numbers career-wise, and I'm struggling to see anywhere that it isn't necessarily a high of 12 this year. I think it's his career high, but at the same yeah, time, like, dude is 30. That's not bad either. The dude is 36. Yeah, the most I'm seeing here is 10 before this. And, like, that's not that's not much of a drop-off. That's a fantastic feeling percentage. For a guy who, like, doesn't really get hurt and plays a lot of games every season, it's not well, a high it's mark. It's just not what you expect from a guy who has been so clutch and had so much postseason experience. You don't see those guys get ahead of the moment very often. You're right. You're absolutely right. Um Look, Scherzer comes in, gets the job done, gets the save. The Dodgers overall tonight, their final pitching line, of course, the nine innings, six hits, one earned run, 13 strikeouts. The one run they allow is on the Darren Ruff solo homer off of Julio Urias. For the Giants, they go nine innings, eight hits, two earned runs, eight strikeouts. And... uh it was a great game. You know, we already talked about the umpires. Regardless of the umps, this series was everything that we wanted it to be. Can we agree with that? Yes. Until this last game was an utter disappointment. But the first four games was everything you could possibly want. The first eight innings of this game had me really excited. The first eight and two-thirds innings of this game had me very sure. excited. Uh that, you know, the way to uh, LJ, you texted me right after the last out and you said, what a terrible way to end the game. And I just responded awful. 
that 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 was a response and that sucks for the giants a magical season for them just ends like that yeah and to uh but i genuinely i just genuinely don't think that they were going to get past scherzer in that last thing (laughs) yeah but to be to extend that point a little bit that I'm saying what a terrible way to end the game. Keep this in mind, and I think I've been very open on this show about it. I love a well-pitched game of baseball. Absolutely. And into the late innings, into that sixth inning, the hits was 4-2 in favor of San Francisco, which I think also should be noted that this game ended 8-6. So San Francisco did not certainly did not earn the win even if they were taking it was taken away in the last couple innings they they got outperformed by the Dodgers when it came to the bullpen the two bullpens so keep that in mind but at the same time you've got a 4-2 game with a bullpen group that is dealing pretty well Urias five strikeouts through four Logan Webb is having another monster day I mean what more could I ask for through that point in time there's no reason I should have come away dissatisfied from this game. There's no reason anyone should have, but it feels like just about everyone has. If I'm a Giants fan, I am certainly, I certainly have a gripe with the umping in this game, and I'm pissed. Uh, then again, we talked about this the other day. Baseball is, you cannot just say if that call goes our way that it's going to end up a certain way so much changes with every pitch that you genuinely don't know that's why especially with the Red Sox game where everyone was saying oh well even if Hunter Renfro doesn't boot that ball the Red Sox still win it's like no like that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard like baseball is such a is a sport where it so much changes depending on every situation that is available to you, the runners on base, the count, everything changes. And people don't understand that where the butterfly effect does not exist, especially in baseball. It just, it it just. Butterfly effects exists in like nothing. It exists in. Butterfly effect is meant mostly for, in sports, it is meant entirely for debate. That's it. It exists in some real life situations. If you really like are that deep of a thinker and you care that much about stuff that's happened in the past to you. Other than that, in baseball, especially basketball, too, where people are like, oh, if we just got that one foul call that one time, it's like, how do you know that? Like, how do you genuinely know that that would have changed the game? It's like you you just don't because everything changes from that situation. Same with this. Like, okay, so they call a Wilmer Flores. So they call that pitch a ball and he didn't swing. Are are we guaranteeing a Giants victory? Like, absolutely not. Like, that's just oh, again people that 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 think that 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 is true. I genuinely need to like think about how they think about baseball. Because we do, again, we just proved that the Giants got flat out outplayed in the last third of this game. Right. I mean, they literally gave up a run in the top of the ninth inning, which was insanely crucial to this game overall though uh the dodgers advance they will face the braves uh 
LJ, any last thoughts on this game before we get into a brief preview of the CS series? Um, yes, and it's really a word of caution. Enjoy what happened this season, Giants fans. Don't let this get too down on you because we've seen it before in uh, multiple sports. When a controversial call doesn't go a team's way, they can find even 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 when the team is has majority not been there for that incident, can find ways for that call that incident to haunt them for years to come. So, I would not be shocked if that is the tone that the Giants rebuild comes with. I mean, no one was expecting them to have this type of success this year. I have, we have to question as happy as I am to see all of these vets do what they did this year as thrilled as I would be if they did it again, do not get me wrong. I'm not rooting for this to happen because I would love to see Buster Posey. I would love to see Evan Longoria have another huge year. Brandon this, Crawford at this stage of his career, Brandon Crawford out here, 34, 35 years old and an MVP candidate again, or probably for the first time. So this is a huge win for a bunch of vets, but are we sure that they can repeat this, all of them? Are we sure that they can keep this starting rotation to a point where they are the, one of the best, one of the top five rotations in baseball? The because best team ERA in the whole league in the regular season. I know Which, for which fact, you did predict back in May, believe it or not. And yeah, exactly. And I know for a fact Gosman is a free agent. Is Alex Wood a free agent as well? Gosman is a free agent and he's gonna get a bag. Um, I'm gonna check right now as for I Alex. I remember Wood. one of the other ones is, and it's either Disclafani or it's Wood. We talked a lot one day about all the free agents the Giants have. Posey will be a free agent. Johnny Cueto is a free agent. Wilmer Flores is a free agent. Alex Dickerson, Dominic Leone, Kirk Casale. Johnny Cueto casually worked his way back to another really good season. Or good season. Actually, hold on. Uh, For whatever reason, Fangraphs already updated their 2022 thing. Gosman is a free agent. All right. Disregard everything I just said. Gosman is a free agent. Brandon Bell is a free agent. DeSclafani and Alex Wood are both free agents. Chris Bryan is a free agent. Donovan Solano is a free agent. I, how, do we, how do we feel about Chris Bryant right now? Because on the whole, I can see he had a very positive impact on this team. But I think with the exception of the beginning of this year, I could describe him as forgettable, a forgettable star. You watch the game and you immediately see his impact. But if you're thinking about the team, talking about a team, I'm not sure you're going to, you're going to be getting a Chris Bryant that by the end of the year is going to be in the back, in your mind, in the front of your mind all the time. Okay. If you take him off this, Giants team, how many games do they win? 104, 103? Do they really, like, how many wins did he contribute specifically to this Giants? Uh, specifically, I would say 
probably less than that. I don't, I don't think he had four war this year, did he? 3.3 according to baseball reference and 2.2 of it was with the Cubs. Yeah. So a game. So the difference would be them playing in the wild card game, which again, and that's not me saying it's not me dissing. Not at all. Impact on his talent. He's a very talented player, but I just, I don't, I think we're, we need to sit down. And if you're a general manager of a baseball team right now, you need to sit down and, you need to really gauge what kind of star do you think Chris Bryant is, and then you're going to have to pay him like that. So, Well, the important thing to think about with him is this is the first time this guy is hitting the open market in his whole career. His entire career, he hasn't hit the open market yet. Like, what price tag do you even put on this guy at this point? Because – Talk about a complicated career. He wins the MVP his second year up in the league. Since then, it's been nothing. He hasn't gotten an MVP vote since then. So I'm gonna def- all right. I, I am gonna defend him though, because he has been a solid player. And I think you could convince me if the all-star game was at the end of the season, you could convince me that he should have been an all-star every year but his injured 2020 year. Fair. So just keep that in mind when you're evaluating this. But at the same time, there's a difference between, and I'm not saying he is even worth that money, but let's compare him for, the minute, for a minute to Bryce Harper. If Bryce Harper was putting up the same numbers that Chris Bryant was, I am going to pay Bryce Harper significantly more. Partially, of course, because of the marketability of the star, which isn't what my point is here. But a big part of it is overall being able to establish team identity around a guy. We just watched Bryce Harper do everything in his baseball power to will that Phillies team into a playoff spot. He had a fantastic year. He had a fantastic back end of the season. And he by no means is forgettable on that team. When I look at a Giants roster, I'm not looking for where Chris Bryant is in this in this group, even though he's probably the second best player in this lineup this year. But I'm looking for Bryce Harper. You're right. And uh, with Chris Bryant being a free agent, it opens up a lot of possibilities. A lot of teams have money to spend. They could certainly use a corner infielder. You know, I'm not saying right now that it's 100% guaranteed the Giants re-sign this guy. I could totally. And Dave Dombrowski's already the... on the phone. Who's that? Dave Dombrowski's already on the phone with his agent. Oh, they, they've they already figured out a plan to ship out Alec Bohm somehow. He's he's gone from, from Alex the Philly. Bo- Alec Bohm's gone, and we're going to get Chris Bryant and Carlos Correa in Philly next year. I'm creating yeah, no I'm creating. because once the MLB puts in this a uh, salary floor and teams have to spend, the Phillies is gonna be like, Well, we'll just spend more than everybody at this point. We'll just make it as we're just gonna screw over other teams so the Rays have to sign some bum for 15 million dollars to be able to meet their their uh, salary floor. Why not? Honestly, let's just build like a banana boat squad in Philly and see how horribly this goes. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, even if they do put in a salary floor, 
all the good teams are just going to be like, well, wait, we'll just sign these guys for absurd amounts of money and we'll make the Rays, Marlins, Orioles sign terrible players for $10 million a year so they can actually get to their salary floor. That's that's the only problem that I've ever had with it is that yeah, the but, big market teams will still dominate. Yeah, no, no, they, they, or they can still dominate because that is assuming that they want to spend the money over the luxury tax that it would take to do that. The other thing is, does it really decrease what it, them spending more money is not going to bring these small market teams that don't want to spend any lower than they currently are? Because if you're saying that they would have to pay the, because of the salary flow, they'd have to pay the guy that they would sign for $3 million this offseason, $15 million, they're still getting the same player. And they're still paying the same amount that they would have to pay either way. It's just a matter of who it's being allocated to. So I don't necessarily see how it hurts, hurts anybody that much. No, it it doesn't doesn't hurt hurt anybody. I just feel like the small market teams would still like the whole, the whole point of it is to make the small market, small market teams want to sign bigger free agents. And I just don't see that happening with the salary. You see, the way I see it is not necessarily make them want to sign bigger free agents because at the end of the day, bigger free agents don't want to go to Tampa. Bigger free agents don't want to go to the Texas Rangers. What they want to do is they (laughs) they want to get the most money they can in the place that can best show off their brand and get them the most popularity. That's why you. That's why all these guys go to the big market teams. That's why they go to the big cities because there is so many other benefits to being in Boston, to being in New York, to being in LA, to being in Atlanta. So many more added benefits that you get other than the money in those cities. You're right. No, you're absolutely right. Um, that's certainly something we can save for the CBA podcast, which. We will certainly have quite a few of those as the SmackDown. As, as that will be the, as that will be the entire first two months of our season next year. Right. When when they end up playing 120 games, uh, there's not gonna be much to talk about. 120 so. is a very generous number. Oh, I can't wait. At least we got this season, man. I mean, that's that, that's all I can care about. Do we wanna let's see how are we doing on time? Yeah, we have enough time. Um Let's at least preview this Red Sox Astros series, which starts today for you, uh, for you all that are listening. Uh, the Red Sox have still not announced a starter. They'll be facing Framber Valdez, as I believe I saw today. LJ Lance McCullers is out for the series. Is that right for the Astros? I had not seen that. That did not come across my feed. I am but going to. That look. That looks. Very logical. Actually, wait, hold on. It'll be it will be updated on Fangraphs. So I'm on that right now. Oh, it doesn't have that updated. Never mind. It just um, says it looks like, according to the last article I see here on a Google, Lance McCullers Jr. likely out for ALCS with a forearm injury. Uh, not what you want to see. Yes, Either yes. way, it's going to be Framber Valdez for game one. LJ, who the hell is starting for the Red Sox? Brandon, I, I love the way you phrased that because this is part of my 
the MLB is burning afternoon that I had. We had within the span of an hour and a half, the Julio Urias not starting news, the story that we forgot to talk about and need to talk about right after this, or at least briefly now, Mike Schilt gets fired by the Cardinals. Let's talk about it right now. Uh, yeah, Mike Schilt fired by the Cardinals because apparently winning 17 games in a row in September is not good enough. Even and winning 13 games in August is enough for the Yankees. As they the say, organization apparently makes this move for the Cardinals because there is a philosophical difference. That's a quote no. from the GM between Schilt in the front office about the direction of the franchise. LJ, last I checked, the manager, I thought, doesn't have any say in the franchise. That's what I've been told for years with the Yankees is that Aaron Boone is a puppet and that every single manager in the league is a puppet. Apparently, Mike Schilt is not a puppet. All right, well, not every single manager in the league is a puppet. I don't think Mike Schilt is a puppet. He certainly definitely has an impact on roster. I think any healthy organization with a healthy, healthy work environment is going to let the man that's leading the team have some input. That's why you see a lot of these guys logging less in the MLB, but in other leagues being in their team's draft rooms on draft day, because that usually has a direct implication on their roster and what they want. So they have, do have control, but that's not how I read it. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. Nothing feels as good as making others feel good. Those so-called feel-good holiday films? They can't hold a gingerbread-scented candle to the feeling of giving them something that gives them all the feels. Make this December one to remember. Together. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Because I don't think most people use philosophical differences about the team or say it in that manner and actually mean about the future direction of the team. Was there anything controversial that happened at the end of the year for this team? Was there, was there a significantly bad move? I'm not remembering in the wild card game. There is one. There, actually, there is two. The first is not pinch hitting for Adam Wainwright in the sixth inning. All right, so his his philosophy to not pitch pinch hit for the pitcher. Okay, which, which which is what I was just reading what Cardinal fans were saying on a blog today. That's that. The second is to bring in Alex Reyes for the ninth inning when he had allowed, he kind of blew up in the second half in any high leverage situation. Um, so exactly. if you're firing the guy over losing to a team that won 17 more games than you in the regular season in an away game, in the in a one-game playoff, 
Brandon, didn't the Yankees fire their manager for losing the ALCS? Game seven. Yeah. I think I think I think teams have fired their manager for less. <laughs> I just this guy takes over for who even was coaching the Cardinals prior to this guy. I feel like I should not know. No, we should. It's definitely somebody we'd know. That's right, Mike Matheny, ah. current Royals coach, manager. Excuse me, manager. Um. When Mike Matheny got hired, he was 47 and 46 in 2018. When Schilt took over, he was 41 and 28. Schilt's career record, then this is this actually pains me to say 252 and 199. <laughs> and he made the postseason in 2019, 2020, and 2021. He has Paul Goldschmidt, no one. Like, what philosophical difference is there? I think this team is locked in for like the next five years. No, Brandon, I'm telling you right now, mark my words, and something probably will come out about this at some point. Actually, if you want, like you wrote down the other thing, you can write this down if you'd like, but or you can just remember it. This is not actual philosophy that's being an issue. There is there was some decision making, some conversation, some choice that either as a build on of stuff that's been ha- of issues, disagreements, the front office, the players have been having with him throughout the year, built up to the point where somebody finally said something about it and it came to a head after that wild card game. Something must have happened, game related that triggered somebody. I'm not going to point fingers at any particular star. I'm just going to use him as a hypothetical. Let's say Paul Goldschmidt, really the leader of this team, certainly the most veteran presence they have and a darn good veteran at that, has an issue with some of the decisions he makes, some of the calls he makes, some of the stuff that he wants them to do. And it finally comes to a head. You are going to take Paul Goldschmidt's side on these things much more often than you're going to take his. The other thing is um, with that too, I wouldn't be shocked if they were already kind of looking for a reason to fire a guy because I still think, and I think a lot of them are right when people look at a manager as you have maybe a six year at most at, at maximum lifespan before you lose club, uh, lose a clubhouse just because your message gets stale. I mean, who was it? It was um, Phil Jackson who was fully planning on retire on not retiring, but leaving the bulls after their first three P because he'd been there. He'd been there a year too long, a year longer than he'd ever planned to stay. I think he only wanted to stay like four years or five years in one spot at a time, or else he would, his message would lose the locker room. So I think a lot of people also probably take that type of philosophy into account with their coaches and don't have a very quickly, a very long leash with that stuff because they're ready to move on to the next one as soon as they can. You know, I love the Phil Jackson comparison. I'm going to use a baseball comparison. Theo Epstein. I mean, one of the best GMs in the history of the league. He only stays with the Red Sox for nine years, ends up leaving. And the reason he leaves and LJ, you certainly know a little more about this than I do. He basically said, like, if you're with a team 
for that long, eventually your relationship with the team is going to start to deteriorate. And not only that, it's not like they get bored with their job, but they see another opportunity that's more interesting than what they're at right now. And look, that's more about leaving when, with Theo Epstein because he like voluntarily left to take another job. But at the same point, if you're a manager of a team, especially in baseball, where you people don't realize the manager manages every single spring training game, every single regular season game. They're there for all 162 games. And you do that year after year after year, eventually you're going to get on someone's nerves and something is going to go wrong. You cannot be perfect with your job. That it makes sense to me as to why something like this could absolutely happen. Yeah, High think- plays like Jace, Jace Tingler, we find out that there's a lot of stuff going on in the clubhouse. Makes sense. Here, we haven't heard anything about any any clubhouse toxicity yet. Could it come out? Absolutely. But at the same time, something could never come out, and I could still completely understand why they fire this guy. But nonetheless, it's still a shocking development because they were talking about extending this guy like three weeks ago. It's more about preventativeness, too. If you have any sniff that something could be brewing between a major player or a couple players and him that might come to it. And the other thing is, I don't think it's necessarily even boredom either. Yes. Part of it's a new challenge excites you, but you don't, you don't upset things that are working great. Like if the Astros who are with the exception of maybe the Dodgers, the most successful franchise of this last five to seven years, They've had, they have a plan and they have a plan that works with their whole development, with their coaching top to bottom. They have a plan that works great. Now, why would, why on earth would they just randomly magically decide, okay, we're going to do things completely different now after we've gone to all of these consecutive um, ALCSs, why would you change that? And so as a manager, you're not bored, but because it's, because things work, you do the same things in the same way with very little different solutions for so long. And it's just going to become so repetitive that you don't realize you're not going to realize when you're bored. And I think a lot of guys are afraid of that. A lot of front offices are afraid of that as well and are willing to cut ties before they see that happen. It's a great point, LJ. Absolutely. Um, but I think we're running a little over, so maybe we want to, uh, hurry this up and yeah just, uh, just like our two winner our two winners for our winner for each team but i should say we got partway through my statement there going back backtracking the three things that set the mlb was on fire earlier who is suddenly not starting game five mike Schill gets fired and then about an hour after those two news pieces came in it's announced that chris sale is starting his second game one against the houston astros okay so it will be chris sale as the MLB website has not updated. No, it's going to be Sale and Eovaldi in uh, at minimum age in Houston. 
and then they have not officially announced who is going to be after that yet. So it'll be Sale versus Framber Valdez today, tonight in game one, 807, Fox. Tune in. Going to be a great game. I'll be watching, rooting for every game to go to 18 innings. Uh, game two will be Chris Sale versus Luis, or excuse me, Nathan Evaldi, my bad, against Luis Garcia. That will be at 420, nice, uh, Eastern Standard Time against Luis Garcia for game two. Game three has not been announced for either team yet, which will be on Monday? Yes, Monday the 18th. Monday the 18th. Well, we are in for quite the series there, but um, very excited. It's going to be an awesome series. LJ, if my if the Yankees were still in this, my stress levels would be absolutely through the through the roof. I can't imagine what it's like for you right now, uh, but just enjoy it, man. I mean, this is the postseason. You should, regardless of what happens, I'm going to say this right now, and this is more just like, towards LJ be proud of what this Red Sox team has done this year even if they lose this series there is nothing to be ashamed about this is not like the Yankees season this is an absolute incredible year that the Red Sox have had even if you guys somehow get swept in four games which I genuinely think is not a possibility there is no shame to have with this season absolutely Brandon thank you for the kind words it does they are 100 percent appreciated and you're right because this was a team that the most loyal red sox fans were pushing could be a playoff contender could be a contender to make the wild card they weren't talking about them leading the division for the part of the year they weren't talking about them winning the wild card they certainly were talking about them making it to the alcs so this is absolutely amazing. I'm, I'm thrilled with whatever ends up happening with this series. I'm thrilled with this team. And that's partially because this is such a fun team to watch. Such a, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty freaking likable team, too, which I can, never have a, I can never have a fault with. So I'm absolutely thrilled with this season. But at the same time, and maybe it's just, I don't know, Homer bias kicking in. I do this every single time. I get very logical early. And then the closer things get to dates, I get all in. And I'm going to take this moment. I'm not going to take my uh, Kike Hernandez goggles off real quick. I'm going to ignore Houston's lineup real quick. And I'm just going to look at the, let's throw this, these four games as the hypothetical rotation. Sale, Ivaldi, Rodriguez, Pavetta versus Valdez, Garcia, Urquidy, Odorizzi. Love it. I mean, that's four incredible games that we're set for. And I don't expect the offenses to score less than five runs for both teams in any of those games. No, exactly. And so I look at this and I see those matchups. I can, I can realistically see a day in which all of those pitchers for the Red Sox could hypothetically outpitch their opponent. And with how red hot this Red Sox team is right now in terms of the offense, 
the offense certainly should be able to keep up with, at least keep up for a little while with Houston's ability. And if we want to go through uh, before we end with our picks for who's going to win the series, um, I guess I would take, you know, it's, it feels like it's always going to be Carlos Correa for this team. For this Just got to take the Reds. If you're a Red Sox fan, you you don't take the Red Sox. I mean, oh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not taking the. Oh, I, I was, I thought we were picking for both sides like we did last time. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah. No, no, I'm taking the Red Sox in. Uh, Sox in five. You know, I can't. Five. Holy crap. Um, but well, my option, I was, I was floating between Red Sox and five and Red Sox and six. I would never, I would never force myself. I would never encourage a game seven ever in my life. Oh, as a Yankees fan, I am freaking rooting that this series goes to extra innings every game and it goes to seven. And if it's the Red Sox, this game, this series will be won by Rafael Devers because Brandon, you look at his ridiculous stat line from that race series. And now I want you to remind, I want to remind you that he couldn't really hit, hit anything well that was up in the zone the entire series so you go from that and now you give the guy tuesday wednesday thursday three days off four nights rest i have a feeling that whatever was wrong with his health should be at least moderately improved and he's going to come out blazing hot for this series well my impact players from both teams we're going with my guy, Jordan Alvarez, for the Astros. Had a big series against the White Sox. I think he can eat up this Red Sox pitching and will look very good. For the Red Sox, I find it hard to pick against Rafi Devers. Also, J.D. Martinez, I mean, that ankle injury did not slow him down one bit in that race series. This Red Sox offense and this Astros offense are both so much fun to watch that I genuinely could care less about the pitching staffs. Uh, it's going to come down to the bullpens, and I'm going with J.D., the two D.H.'s, really, Jordan and J.D. I would love to just see them rake this series. Give me the – oh, so tough as a Yankees fan. Uh, LJ, I, I can't side with the Red Sox. Give me I, Astros I in seven, baby. Astros in seven. I would just love to see you stress out over a game seven. So I want to see it. And, you know, I'm, more, I'm less worried about going to a game seven than the other, other thing. Dude, the only thing that can make me more nervous than a game seven, which actually, no, I, I take that back. I was about to say the only thing that can make me more nervous would be a Dodgers Red Sox World Series. But well, you already because, saw it. No, but the the storyline now is even more rich having Mookie on the other side. Yeah. However, with that being said, beat LA, already been there, done that. I have that poster up in my room. And more importantly, we don't lose World Series. So we, I don't have anything to worry about there. So once we make it through this, it's our time. The Brandon, I'm going to say this again. I've said it a couple times in passing, and I'm manifesting this into existence just like I said Sox in four with the Rays. This is the divine right Red Sox. This is going to be go, go down as the divine right Red Sox. It's theirs to win. 
LJ, I already said after the Hunter Renfro play, you guys are winning the World Series. Texted it to the fantasy football group chat. It's 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 just meant to be. If you guys catch a break that big, it, it you have to turn a World Series into it. When you catch a break, it genuinely out. changes your season. And without it, you wouldn't have won the series. Uh, I genuinely do not see how you can't win the World Series at this point. So. Even though I picked the Astros, even though I picked the Astros, you will never hear me on recording picking the Red Sox in an official pick. The Red Sox are winning the World Series, and I may have to hedge my Dodgers bets that I have doubled, tripled, quadrupled down on throughout the season. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, as much as that game sucked tonight for the Dodgers, uh, I just uh, I don't see them losing. And should we get to a World Series where it's Red Sox Dodgers? I will become the biggest Dodgers fan you have ever seen. The Mookie Betts jersey will be on the way. Uh, should he? Should they make the World Series? And uh, alert- I to make sure that doesn't get out of my closet if that World Series happens. Because I could easily just go and say, "Ooh, I want to wear a red, I want to wear the red Red Sox jersey," completely forgetting his name and numbers on the back, and that would just become awkward as hell. Well, the last possible day that we could have a podcast is Wednesday, November third, Game Seven of the World Series. Uh, but look until tomorrow, where we will be recapping Astros Red Sox Game One previewing Dodgers Braves AL or NLCS game one uh that's gonna do it thank you all for listening check us out Twitter Instagram TikTok at MLB Daily Pod we'll see you tomorrow and uh LJ will be either be in a very happy or um, not the best mood so we'll see you see you manana Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.